by comparing our physical human bodies. He compares that to the function of the church itself as God designed the unity within the body of Christ. It works best when all of its members operate within the framework that God intended and the giftings that the Holy Spirit supplies. But as our bodies consist of many components, having internal and external organs, so too does the church have many members, both the seen and the unseen. Thus the Lord's church should work together as in God's design, purpose, to bring glory to Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, we each have unique gifts or giftings by which we can serve Christ and His church. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, all right. Welcome once again. What a blessing it is to worship with you this morning. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to pick up from where we finished last week. We actually finished in verse 13, but I want to back up to verse 12 again. If you remember and recall last week, I said that verses 12 and 13 may better fit with the remainder of the chapter, but also use them to give an ending to the message from last week. And I'd mentioned that as we closed out chapter 11, Paul connected the unworthy condition of the Corinthians receiving communion and their being physically weak, being sick, and even some have died. And he kind of set us up for chapters 12 through 14, where he teaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said concerning them that they had not discerned the importance of the Lord's body And the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. But also the Holy Spirit gives giftings to each one of us that we might better serve the Lord and serve the body of Christ. So this week we're going to look at a message that I entitled, Though Many, We Are One. Looking at 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 through 31, we're going to see that one body has many members, verses 12 through 19. Every member is necessary, verses 20 through 26. And the body of Christ, verses 27 through 31. I want to go ahead and read our first points, looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 19. 
and we see one body, many members. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, Because I am not of the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So Paul here taking us into a portion that it seems kind of elementary, uh, kind of like the milk of the Word of God, just explaining the functioning of our, and by comparing our physical human bodies, he compares that to the function of the church itself as God designed. The unity within the body of Christ, it works best when all of its members operate within the framework that God intended and the giftings that the Holy Spirit supplies. But as our bodies consist of many components, having internal and external organs, so too does the church have many members, both the seen and the unseen. Thus the Lord's church should work together as in God's designed purpose to bring glory to Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, we each have unique gifts or giftings by which we can serve Christ and his church. Having these diverse gifts, different ministries, diverse activities, it is the Holy Spirit who gives to each one, but as Scripture tells us, is for the profit of all. No gift is self-sufficient and none is unnecessary. There was a song that was written by Jason Upton. The opening verse of this song says, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know that we are Christians by our love. The unity of the body of Christ, the love of the body of Christ toward Jesus Christ and toward one another should reflect to the world, both believers and unbelievers, that you belong to Jesus, that we belong to Jesus. And quite often within the church, we discover that they are lacking unity. And others might question, are they even of the body of Christ or not? The Bible tells us in verses 15 through 19 that God has set each one where he pleases. Talking about the foot, talking about the hand, the ear, the eye, the hearing. He questions that if the Lord has placed us in these various positions... In the body itself, whether talking about the foot or the hand, the eye, the ear, the nose, each has its function within the body, and each are part of the body of Christ. Perhaps you remember when you were a child 
that when someone didn't get their way, they would fold their arms and say, I'm not playing. And sometimes we find within the church that there are those who disconnect themselves from the body of Christ. And perhaps we hear them as a small child saying, you know what, if I don't get to be the preacher, then I'm not playing. I don't know what the position might be. If I can't be the worship leader, then I'm not playing. And uh, one of the local pastors of one of the churches in our area talks about, he's told us a few times about a worship leader that basically said, you'll see how far you get when I leave this place. And he left. And then he said, not only did the Lord bring us another worship leader, the guy had the same first name. He said he just replaced him with someone else with the same name. And they continue on to this day. We are to develop the gifts that the Lord has given us. Whether deemed a spiritual hand, an ear, an eyes, a nose within the Lord's church, we each have our spirit-given roles. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, verse 3, For I say, though the grace given me, to everyone who is among you, think not of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. God has dealt each one of us this measure of faith. It not only refers to the salvation that he's given us, but he enables us to grow in our faith that we might use the gifts that he gives to us for God's glory. Ephesians 4, 7 tells us, But to each one, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one, grace has been given. God has given and dealt each one of us a measure of grace. He has dealt each one of us different gifts or giftings of the Spirit. And sadly, some people, as if they're playing a game of cards and they don't want the other people to see, they hold their cards very close to their chest. And they don't want other people to know the gifts that the Lord has given them. I think it's time for the church to lay down what the gifts that the Lord has given to us to present them before the Lord to be used for his glory. 1 Corinthians 7:17 tells us that God has demonstrated to each one as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk and so I ordain in all the churches. As the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, so let him function in the giftings that the Lord has given to the individual, whether male or female, we are to walk in accordance to the giftings that the Lord has distributed to us. And just know this, that even if we are gifted, I mentioned this last week, if we are gifted as a young child, boy or girl, you can sometimes see that that person is naturally gifted, naturally athletic. Maybe they're naturally uh, musically inclined where they just hear music so well and it's a gifting to them maybe their ability to speak before others you realize that they have this natural gift but it also means that we can improve upon those things we can learn we can grow we can develop those gifts that the lord has given us sometimes it's a, a setting out in discovery of what the lord has gifted us with and kind of, at times, maybe trial and error. But God places us where he pleases, verses 18 and 19. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body 
as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So God has set each one of us where he pleads, where he desires each of us to function in the God-given roles that he has given us. One of the first service ministries that I remember as a child when my dad began pastoring what was then named Mount Carmel Baptist Church over in Wadsworth, Illinois. I was 12 years old when our family started attending that fellowship and when my dad became the pastor there. And one of the first service ministries that I remember our family doing together was cleaning the church. For the first time, I learned how to mop floors. And uh, I know at our home, I had responsibilities as a child growing up. For me, a lot of that was outdoor responsibilities with the yard. But there at church, I began to clean, to sweep, to mop. And to this day, I find that I'm still sweeping, vacuuming, mopping, and cleaning toilets in the Lord's church. It never stopped. I was thinking about that this week, and I remembered a book that was written by Pastor Chuck's number two, and they called him the second, there at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, L.E. Romaine. And uh, Romaine, as far as I know, this is the only book, and it's actually a booklet, pretty small, only book that Romaine ever wrote. In fact, he came and spoke to us at the School of Ministry once, and he had the notes to this book that he spoke. The book hadn't even been written yet, but we were some of the first to hear what he would say as he wrote from his perspective as being the number two at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. On the cover of his booklet that I just held up for you, there's a a picture of a pastor with a Bible in one hand and a toilet bowl plunger in the other hand, the two going hand in hand. And he wrote in this booklet, one of the most important lessons to learn as an assistant in the church of God, that God does not need you. You just happen to be selective and placed there by God because you're a failure. He's really encouraging, isn't he? The Bible tells us, and this is Romaine still, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. No one serves in ministry because they have arrived spiritually. It is the Holy Spirit's place to mold and to shape you after the walk and person of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. It is your part to be flexible, available, and open to whatever molding the Lord chooses to do. Now, you'd have to know Pastor Romaine. He was tough on the guys, and you can kind of see that by even in his book writing that no one needs you. In fact, God placed you there because you're a failure. But actually, we learn that God works through our abilities and both our inabilities for his glory. In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, the word tells us, For we have many members in one body. But all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. As believers, we are all part of the body of Christ. God has gifted each of us that we might serve Christ and his church. Imagine what the church would look like if every member served Jesus with his or her God-given giftings. 
it would not only change the members within the body of that specific church, it would also change those from the outside of the church. It would change the world. And I believe the church is at its best, whereas it says in Galatians 5.13, when through love we serve one another with the giftings that the Lord has given us. And so the Holy Spirit has gifted each of us with God-given roles. We pick up in verses 20 through 26, and we find that every member is necessary. Verses 20 through 26 reads, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Paul reiterates here in our text that though we are many, we are one in the body of Christ. And like our physical bodies, which seem to have the stronger and weaker members within our own bodies. Each member is important. Each role is important within the church. We find he gives the example of the eye, the hand, the head, and the feet. And he talks about the necessity of the eye and the hand working together. Unless you develop the ability of telekinesis, meaning that you can move objects with your mind, you need your hands. It's the mind that directs the hands to function as they should. And today, we might call that having good eye-hand coordination, recording to the ways that the hand and sight work together, able to do what is required. We find this in sports as well. Where would the eye be without the hand? Or where would the hand be without the eye? One without the other would leave us handicapped. The head, here in the Greek, it denotes what is first, what is supreme. The head, the mind, though directing the, the hand, the feet, we find that it moves the body and it's the feet that actually moves the body. The head directs the feet, but the head without the feet can't move the body. It's the head that directs the feet. Where would one be without the other? It would be handicapped. And so we discover that in life, physically, it's possible to function without an eye, without a hand, without our feet. We cannot function without the head. In the body of Christ, Christ is the head of his church. And we must never forget that. In Colossians 1, 17 and 18, it tells us, He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And although the church also consists of weaker and stronger members, 
Each member is necessary for the church to function as God has designed. The Bible tells us that we should do nothing through selfish ambition or through conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than themselves. Let each one of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. And we find that the honorable and the less honorable are all necessary. And those members of the body, we think some to be more honorable than others. And on the less honorable, Paul says, we bestow greater honor. On the unpresentable parts, greater modesty. He goes through here for the purpose that there should be no division, no schism. Schisma is the Greek word. It means to split, to sever, to tear. And Paul desired, and we find this throughout 1 Corinthians, he did not want division in the body of Christ. He used the same Greek word, schisma, in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, saying, first of all, when you come together as the church, I hear that there is division, schisma, among you. And in part, I believe it. And then again, he referred to it in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak with the same thing, speak the same thing, that there be no division, no schisma, no split among you but that you would be perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. Probably about 30 years ago, I heard an account of D.L. Moody when after the Chicago fire, he went over to England to rest and to uh, study from the theologians there in England. He had went to England not wanting to preach at all. He was exhausted from what had taken place in the city of Chicago when the great Chicago fire took place. And this is what happened and the account given at that time. One Sunday morning, he was persuaded to preach in a church in London. Everything about the service dragged. He wished he had never consented to preach. But there was a woman in the city who had heard of Mr. Moody's work in America and had been asking God to send him to London. This woman was an invalid and her sister was present at the church on that Sunday morning. When the sister came home, she asked her sister, you'll never guess who spoke at the church this morning. And the sister went through the list of possible speakers. And finally she said, no, Mr. Moody from Chicago. This woman turned to her sister. She turned pale. She said, this is an answer to my prayer. If I had known that he was at our church, I should have eaten nothing this morning, but waited on God in prayer. Leave me alone this afternoon. Do not let anyone come to me. Do not send me anything to eat. All that afternoon, the woman gave herself to prayer. As Mr. Moody preached that night, he soon became conscious that there was a different atmosphere in the church. The powers of the unseen world itself seemed to fall upon him and his hearers. As he drew close to the close, he felt impressed to give an invitation. And so he asked the people there if they wanted to accept Christ to rise to their feet. 
and about four or five hundred people stood. He thought maybe they misunderstood him, so he put the question several ways, and they understood. We find that there, an unseen person working behind the scenes, someone who couldn't leave her house, but praying that God would send D.L. Moody there to London, and then discovering that when he came, she prayed all the more, and God moved, the Holy Spirit moved on that church that day. Within every church, there are both seen and unseen servants, and no doubt, there are many unseen members who will receive greater honor from God than those who are of the scene. Pastor Romaine, once again, going back to his book, Second, wrote concerning verses 22 and 23 of 1 Corinthians 12, a true assistant pastor knows the more feeble ministries are necessary. An assistant pastor who fixes overflowing bathrooms and does it without fanfare or show is precious in the sight of God. Together we suffer and together we rejoice when we all serve in the body of Christ as God intended. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.